0: Point. Turn to your Bibles to Mark chapter 11 if you have your Bibles uh, Yesterday while we was having Bible study yesterday morning I asked everybody to turn in their Bibles and I saw them flipping up in their phones I said go get a real Bible, amen, you ought to mark in it, underline in it So you're going to preach against cell phones this morning? No, I'm going to preach against cell phones, I'm preach against for the Bible, amen Get your Bible and underline it, and circle it, weep over it uh, The Bible is the word of God <clears throat> And uh One of the uh, young men that was there for the first time on a retreat said, I need a Bible. So we got him a Bible, amen. I don't know whose it was, but we gave it to him. And uh, I don't know if he took it home or not, but uh, God worked, amen, God worked through the Bible. It's Bible study time, amen. It's studying the Word of God. And speaking of the Bible, let's pray for Brother Roy Gentry. He was pastor of uh, Dogwood Valley Baptist Church for 44 years. He's pastored, He—it's the only pastor in Whitfield County that's pastored longer than I have. And uh, he fell yesterday, broke two ribs, and they're saying he's on life support now, only got a few hours to live. And so pray for Brother Roy, he was faithful, uh, in season, out of season, up at Dogwood Valley Baptist Church. They had a great heritage, great heritage over there at Dogwood many years ago. Mark chapter 11, I want to preach a very unusual message because it's what we're at, amen? I want to preach on all leaf and no fruit. All leaf and no fruit. And by the way, men, I, I started thinking about the men's retreat. I over, I, I neglected one thing. I want you to write down every man on that prayer list that was at that prayer retreat, and I want you to pray for them. That's all I'm going to say is write them down. Now, you might not know Micah. You might not know Jess. That's the two youngest ones we had. I'm honored to have them. Uh, that was uh, Pete's son. And, uh, and write them down. Write the names down because I'm going to tell you something. God did something. Uh, at that men's retreat uh, In one young man's life I know And it's a blessing Amen Because We've been trying to get people in church a long time And sometimes the church has to go to them And uh, God's going to work So it's discipleship time Amen It's discipleship time I heard people disciple them while they were sitting there eating Roast beef and mashed potatoes And carrots and slaw And sweet tea I, I neglected the sweet tea and I heard that discipleship going on. You know, like to have you in my Sunday school class. like to have you come and be with us. So we're going to have this thing again next year, same time uh, Pete uh, picked the date, same time, same channel. He knows exactly when the bass are off bed. You know, in about a couple of weeks, they'll act like Baptists, they'll all be in bed on Sunday morning. But um, <clears throat> but I can't wait to then, so I'm going to call one at the church. On July, we're going to have a... Uh, Wild game. Uh, 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 we'll have Brother Tony come up. We're going to have preaching, and we're going to have uh, 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 wild game, and that's catfish. I don't like the bear. I don't like the deer. I hate deer. I don't, I wouldn't touch deer. I ain't going to eat Bambi. But uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, we're going to have a fish fry, and we're going to ter- determine uh, who can eat the most fish and said who gets the most. Amen. Well, so anyway, that'll be in July. We can't wait to next year. It's just too good a time. Too good a time. Amen. The Bible says that there was a fig tree. I wonder why it was a fig tree. I'll tell you why it's a fig tree, because the fig tree represents Israel. And folks, all through the Bible, the figs, good figs, represented obedience, and the bad figs represented disobedience. I'll show you all through the Bible. I'm going to try to be brief, because the kids are about to get loose, and we've got to be back here at 4.30. But I want to be thorough enough to tell you that God saves you. He's got a right to judge you. He's got a right to correct you. He's a good father, as brother um, Randy just sung that song. I used to love to hear brother Billy Kelly sing it. Matter of fact, I like to stand next to Billy Kelly because he was wider than this pulpit. It made me made me look thin. Amen. Praise God. Stand next to fat people and you'll look thin. Amen. So he was this wide. He was a and uh, he could sing that song almost as good as Brother Randy. I'll tell you, that was great, Brother. Amen. Mark chapter 11, let's stand all the Word of God. And I'll read verses 12 through 14, then we'll skip down to verse 20 through 21. And uh, we're going to have a good time studying the Word of God. Teachers, always involve your students by letting them read the Word of God. Check them out. Make sure they have the Word of God. Participation will keep you awake. Amen. But they just need to read the Word of God. Out loud is a blessing. To hear some people read the Bible out loud touched my heart this weekend. It says, On the morrow, when they were come to Bethany, he was hungry. That's amazing, right there. He was hungry. Look at this. And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaving leaves, he came if haply he might find anything therein, their own. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. That's my text. For the time of the figs was not yet, and Jesus answered and said unto him unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. For his disciples heard it. I want you to skip down to verse twenty. The next day they are walking down the same road, and in the morning as they passed by they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remember it, said unto him, Master, behold the fig tree, which thou Curses is withered away And here's the answer that Jesus had And I'll read this one verse Preach on it tonight And Jesus answered and said to them Have faith in God Have faith in God You may be seated Father, thank you for the wonderful Song service Thank you for the praise Thank you for the instruments Thank you God for just a chance to be reminded That you rescued us We were lost, undone And couldn't rescue ourselves And you came to us, but we couldn't come to you. Lord, I pray that this month will be as fruitful as last month, or even more, as a church. Thank you, God, for April. What a month it's been. What a great month. What a great service last week. And Lord, we thank you for those that got baptized. But First of all, Lord, we thank you for those that got saved. And so, Lord, thank you for this passage of Scripture. It's not an easy passage to preach or understand, but God, help me to rightly divide and preach the Word of God with anointing. And we'll praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And you know, I appreciate Brother, T- uh, Brother, Tony. Brother Cody uh, putting the uh, Wednesday night message on uh, Facebook. Because I listened to myself preach. And the reason I listened to myself preach is I thought it was the worst message I'd ever preached in my life. I really thought Wednesday night I was totally out of it. And we had some things happen right before the service. The devil tried to knock the wind out of me and get me in the flesh. And when I listened to it, I realized that I, I, I read a lot of the scripture and it brought life to the message. I might not have had too much life, but I'm going to tell you something. God's word is alive. Amen. And I'm going to tell you something. I got blessed by listening to the worst message I've ever preached because I don't think it was that bad after I listened to it. But I went home defeated. Ever been that way? I, I went home saying, oh my, they're going to fire me Sunday because that was so bad. But you know something? God's Word's never bad. Preacher might be sick, preacher might be out of it, but I want to tell you something, folks, we need the anointing of God to understand this, this passage. We're walking with Jesus and His disciples through the last week of His earthly life. It's Monday on the Passion Week. And it amazes me in the book of Mark, it's a a book that marks a lot of activity from our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's hungry. That's a sermon in itself. It's Passion Week, and he's hungry. That means he became man for you. He came to this earth and took on the form of a servant and was obedient obedient even to death. And they had rejected the Messiah, the Jews have, if you'll take this in context, verse 1 through 11, that's why we preach. We skipped a week because of Easter. But I thank God that in context, He was saying, I came as your king, but you rejected me. So He saw a fig tree, which a fig tree all through the Bible represents the children of Israel. And folks, I believe the fig tree's just about to get shook. And I believe the Lord's coming soon, don't you? Amen. If you don't believe the Lord's coming soon, I heard this, and I don't even know this for a fact, but Brother Jason was telling me on the way home from uh, the retreat, as we looked over, and there was a a cinema. there was on the right-hand side of 24, a movie house. What do you call them? A theater, that's what you call it. And I mean, it was packed with cars. I thought, man, what is happening? Uh, You know, is the Italian place having free bread or what? He says, no, Daddy. That's everybody going to the movie this weekend, and they're supposed to make $1 billion, $1 billion in one weekend on a thing called the Avengers or Revengers. What is it? Some of y'all know. I know, I know you. Revengers, Aven- you know, I thought, what in the world is that? I want to tell you something, folks. In the last days, people be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Say amen. We can't get 150 people in Sunday school, and they make a billion dollars on a movie. And I don't know how good that movie is or who, who's even starring in it. It might be a cartoon for all I know. But I know this, folks, God's words more important. And we ought to adhere to it, reverence it, and take it in. And folks, here's a genuine spiritual fruit uh, that God's looking for in your life. And here's a great blessing that we need to be fruitful. And if we're not fruitful, God can put a, a not a curse upon us, but He can take... He can withdraw His blessings. There is a sin unto death. And folks, there is a God that whips us. There's a God that disciplines us. There's a God that corrects us. I'm just saying, friend, when's America going to start fearing God? When when are we going to start fearing God? And Folks, I believe we ought to fear the living God. First of all, I want you to see the Lord's desire in verse 12. And it says, And on the morrow when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. He was hungry. Reminds me of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, that he became poor that you might be rich. He humbled himself and came to this earth, and he became poor that you can become eternally rich, rich in the grace of God. Amen? He went to Calvary and took your sin debt and paid it, came to this earth and walked this earth, folks, and then he was hungry. And folks, listen, I'm going to tell you something. Um, he made everything in this world. He had to borrow a boat to preach in. He created all the seas and all the streams of the world, and He said on the cross, I thirst. He created every tree, and He, and they, and he died on a barred cross. He created every rock, and He barred a tomb to be buried in. He used, uh, he used the clouds as His chariots, and He barred a donkey to ride in Jerusalem to proclaim that He's the King, that He's the Messiah. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. That in every area of life, we need to consider this. Jesus experienced hunger for you. He experienced thirst for you. He experienced weariness for you. He experienced pain and rejection and loneliness and poverty for you. Yes, He rescued a sinner like you, but it cost Him His life. It cost Him heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm indebted to Him. And I appreciate Him. And I love him, and I'm grateful, and I don't have to wait to Thanksgiving to come to church, praise God. One preacher told me uh, this weekend, he said, I wished everybody a Merry Christmas after last week's message. Amen. I mean, they wouldn't be back till Christmas, amen, Easter, y'all get it. But anyway, uh, I said, you didn't do it out loud. He said, no, I was just thinking. it." But anyway, listen, folks, we see the Lord, the Lord, the Lord desire. And you know, one of the greatest desires was not for his hunger. He knew that tree was going to be naked. He knew that tree was going to be barren. He knew that tree had leaves with no fruit. He wanted to make a point, and God always uses everything to make a point. Folks, God makes a point sometimes to use things in your life, like tragedy, near-death experiences, but then thank God blessings. Such a blessing Thursday to, to speak to Brother Gary. Brother Al, Al was testifying at the uh, retreat. We didn't know if we was going to speak to him again. We didn't know if we was ever going to be able to fellowship with him again. He was that close to death's door. And I want to tell you something friend it's a blessing that the goodness of God should draw us to repentance. Every blessing in your life you ought you to serve him more willingly and more, more uh, fervently and And folks, if it wasn't for God, you wouldn't have a thought this morning. You wouldn't know what day of the week it was. You wouldn't know what you did yesterday. You wouldn't have an ounce of strength. You wouldn't have a heartbeat. You wouldn't have a breath. And so folks, you're not doing God a favor by being here. He's doing you a favor to let you be here. Say amen. And I see his desire, but I see his disappointment. Look at verse 12. It says, On the morrow when they were come to Bethany, he was hungry, and seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came, if haply he might find anything thereon. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For the time of the figs was not yet. Folks, why a fig tree? Well, fig trees were and are common in Israel. Sixty times in the Bible, fig trees are mentioned. In Genesis chapter 3, we see the first mention of a fig tree. They took the fig leaves and tried to cover their nakedness, which represents works. A lot of people trying to cover their life with religion. It don't work. When you sin, you got to face God, who is coming after you. Amen. And then we see the first. Uh, the figs were a vital part of the Middle Eastern diet, according to uh, Judges chapter nine verse eleven. That first first ripe figs were especially valuable. Jeremiah chapter twenty four verse two. The figs tree were valuable for shade, 1 Kings 4, verse 25. It's under a fig tree that Jesus saw Nathaniel. John 1, 48. Good figs were used as a pitcher for obedient believers, Jeremiah chapter 24. I want you to turn there, please. Jeremiah chapter 24. And I want to just read just a few verses to show you what the Lord knew about this fig tree and what He was illustrating. The Bible says in verse 2 of Jeremiah 24, It says, one basket had very good figs, even like the figs that are first ripe. First ripe. And the other basket had very naughty figs, which could not be eaten. They were so bad. Then said the Lord unto me, What seest thou, Jeremiah? And I said, figs. The good figs, very good. And the evil, very evil, that cannot be eaten. They are so evil. And again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, Like these good figs, so will I acknowledge them that are carried away captive of Judah, whom I have sent out to this place into the land of the Chaldeans for their good. For I will set mine eyes upon them for good, I will bring them again to this land, and I will build them, I will not pull them down, and I will plant them and not pluck them up. Look at verse 7, for I, uh, Jeremiah 24, are you with me? And I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord and they shall be my people and I will be their God, for they shall return unto me with their whole heart. Their whole heart. Look at verse 8. And as an evil figs which cannot be eaten, they are so evil. Surely thus the Lord, so will I give Zedekiah, the king of Judah, and to the princes and the residue of Jerusalem that remain in this land, and them that dwell in the land of Egypt. So we see that the fig tree represents, all through the Bible, Israel. But folks, we, and, and the fig tree is a very unique tree. I always thought it was a bush, but over in the eastern uh, lands, Middle East, they grow sometimes 30 feet high. And they're trees. And uh, there's three crops in a single tree. First of all, the fig tree is unique that it can have full fruit, full leaves, and full bloom at all the same time. Since the fruit grows and uh, the tree produces its leaves, it's reasonable for Jesus to assume that there was a first fruit here. Because when the leaves are there, that's the first fruit. It's the old wood that brings forth the first uh, crop of figs. And folks, listen, we see that he's looking at this tree and there's nothing. There's nothing. There's just leaves. So I want to ask you a question this morning. Is it just leaves or do you have some fruit? Now Israel, they kept the letter of the law. They had signs of spiritual life, but there was no fruit. They observed the temple ceremonies. They observed the ancient feasts and sacrifices. They were religious in every detail, but they had no spiritual fruit. Israel promised all who saw her that she would show them the way to God. In reality, all they showed them was religious bondage and the way to hell. Israel had gone to the leaf. Israel had no fruit. Israel looked alive, but Israel was spiritually dead. Israel had been given every advantage they could afford. Personal attention and redemption by the Almighty God. He called them His people. They still are. He planted them in a good land. He delivered them from bondage. He gave them the Word of God. He gave them Moses and the Ten Commandments. He he, he gave them the prophets of God. He gave them the temple of God where the Shekinah glory dwelled. And folks, everything they needed for a spiritual bumper car crop was there but all they had was leaves all they had was leaves you say well that's good but I'm not interested in Israel I'm trying to get by myself what is this what is this uh, miracle what is this cursing of the tree what does it mean to me I'm glad you asked folks we've been given every spiritual advantage our church has been here for 41 years this church is based on the word of God it's not based on music. It's not based on activities. It's not based on having fun. It's not based on programs. It's not based on man. It's not based on celebrities. It's based on the Word of God. And folks, if you can't bear fruit in this church, it's not God's fault. It's not the preacher's fault. It's not the teacher's fault. It's not even the deacon's fault. It's your fault. We need to bear fruit. As a church, we uh, have sometimes the appearance of life. We have the right Bible. We have the right music. We have the right convictions. I'm glad we do. But sometimes churches just have leaves. And they have no fruit. What are you talking about fruit? Well, Romans 6.22 says there's the fruit of holiness. I'm going to tell you something, friend. One of the greatest fruits you can have is to be holy. That means, friend, listen. You ought to be like Christ. Romans six twenty says, says it's a fruit of Righteousness. And it's a righteous living, not self-righteous, God's righteousness shining forth. And so, folks, holiness is not keeping the rules of the Independent Baptist Fundamental Movement. Holiness is yielding to the Holy Spirit of God as a branch, and He is the vine or the trunk, and you produce Christ-likeness in your life. And I want to say this, friend, if you don't have Christ-likeness in your life, God knows how to purge. God knows how to ripen. God knows how to send leanness. God knows how to eliminate your gods. God knows how to put the things that's in, your, in His way of you worshiping right out of the picture. I'm saying, friend, we ought to fear God. and We ought to realize that we have been called to be fruitful uh, branches for God's glory and there's no excuse not to yield to the Spirit of God that's within you because it does not depend on your works it's His working. It's His life. There's the fruit of good works, Colossians 1.10. And let me just say this, there's a fruit of love. You're never more like Jesus than when you love. And you forgive. As a pastor for many years, I've had to learn to forgive or I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't even be in the ministry. And folks, I have counseled with preachers in the last couple of weeks that have lost everything. And my first question to them, are you willing to forgive? yourself, and have you asked God to forgive you? And the buck stops here. And I want to say, friend, listen, the fruit of, 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 of love, joy, peace, faith, meekness, temperance, which there's no law to get us to that. It's just being Christ-like in character. That's a fruit. Then the fruit of real worship, Hebrews 13, uh, 15 uh, says that we ought to worship the Lord with the fruit of our lips. That ought to be the fruit of praise. Folks, real worship is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God that uh, lives through you and sings through you choir. And folks, listen, the fruit of a Christian is another Christian. Turn in your Bibles, please, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And I want you to look at the last two verses of that chapter. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And I want you to look at it real quick. In verse 19, of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, all the books of the Bible that start with a T are together, and they're all alphabetical. Somebody said, y'all check me out on that. Look at verse 19. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Listen to this. Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus at His coming? For you now are glory and our joy. Folks, Listen. Our hope, our joy, our crown of rejoicing. Folks, our fruit is another Christian. It's you. It's you. Reproducing yourself through others. Discipleship has, took place this weekend. Young men that's never been around other Christian men. Young men that's never been around Bible study. Young men that, uh, not even in church, seeing the difference That Christ makes are we leaves or do we have fruit somebody ought to be looking up to you as their pattern for Christianity don't look to a Jew don't look to a religionist look to a real Christian men to find out what a real man of God is and I want you to know folks let's take a minute and examine ourselves and I believe that we ought to judge ourselves lest we be judged. I mean, He come by and this tree's full of leaves, but there's no fruit. And I want to tell you something, He dried it up at the roots. He really killed that tree. You say, well, I don't think that was nice. Don't tell God He's not nice. He does exactly what's needed. And I will say this, friend, we need to take inventory this morning before God inventories us. It's either judgment now or judgment later at the judgment seat of Christ. I'm not saying you're going to lose your salvation, but you'll sure lose the joy of it, the power of it, the peace of it, and the power of it when you backslide. When you become fruitless. Number one, let's take a minute and examine ourselves. Is Jesus the first priority in your life? Is His will, His worship, His work just an afterthought? I'm going to tell you something, friend. The more I look at this world, the more I see a lot of idols. The more I look at people and think about what they put before God, they make the blessings of God idols. Amen. I mean, if God's given you a husband, don't put him before God. He's an idol. He don't want to be an idol because God takes out idols. God gives you children. You don't put them before God. God gives you a job. You don't put that before God. God gives you health and wealth and wisdom. Don't put yourself before God. What is the priority of your life? I believe the average person today, they wrap their life around a lot of things and a lot of people, but they don't wrap their lives around the work of God. And folks, when they come to church, it's just a duty and not an act of worship. Thank you, choir, for that song. That was a blessing. I never get tired of hearing it. And when I heard it I thought about who taught us that song Brother Gary Letford. And I know he would be pleased That he, he, he influenced our choir Number two do You have just the leaves of religion And salvation Or has your life radically changed I'm talking about real commitment You know I believe that A lot of people left this church. I know I had one deacon leave this church because he said, you expect me to work. And he told me that. He said, you you expect me to serve. I said, well, brother, the word deacon's means servant. I can't redefine it. You're not the board of directors. You don't push the preacher in and out of this church. You don't tell me what to do. You're not a dictator. You're a servant. And so am I. But I'll tell you who's in charge of this church, God. We need to keep Him in His rightful place. Amen. And I'll tell you this, friend. I don't think it ought to be anything but a privilege to serve God with all your life. And yield your little old vine called your life that's going to be here just for a second or two compared to eternity to bear forth much fruit. After I taught Sunday morning, a man came up to me and he was just so sincere and he encouraged me more than you'll ever know. And he said, you know something, preacher? The one word you said touched my heart. Available. Available. He says, I make myself available to everything and everybody in the world, but I'm not as available to God as I need to be. Boy, that thrilled my soul. That in a Bible study, God pierced the heart. A lot of men um, talked about the sermon Friday night when Brother Eddie described in detail what he went through for 13 years take care of Jill his first wife and how he took care of her and all the chemo and all the hospitals and all the times that he had to take the wheelchair and put it into uh, the back of the car and pick her up and place her in the car and he said it dawned on me after she died that it took that for me to lift her up and put her in the car When I should have been doing that and he preached on tenderness One word, Saturday morning, available. One word, Friday night, could change your life. Tenderness. But folks, I want to tell you something. You won't be available unless you're filled with the Spirit of God. And you won't be tender. You'll be just hard-hearted, full of yourself, in it for yourself, and your wife will be your servant instead of you mutually committing yourselves and serving each other and submitting each other if you're not filled with the Spirit of God, the fruit of the Spirit. Do you worship while holding things in your heart against others. That X, that O, that person that offends you, that boss, that son, that daughter that won't live for God. You can't worship God if you're bitter. A lot of vines are stopped up. A lot of vines are not flowing. A lot of vines are not yielded because they're full of bitterness. Do You live a double life. Oh, you're fun and happy and smiling on Sunday. You might even go to some extracurricular activities in this church and you're the life of the party. Then you go home and live like the devil. You plan your life around all the things and people of your life or do you plan your life around God's plan? You know, I, 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 when I heard about that movie Billion dollars in one weekend. I'm not saying in the whole term that it's out, and all the CDs for years to come and all this stuff. I'm talking about one weekend. $1 billion dollars worldwide. Makes me want to tr- see what it's about, but I'm not. But I think about what's going to last. What's real fruit? And folks, what I thought about was we do what we love. We plan around what we love. We schedule around what we love. We sacrifice for what or who we love. We rearrange our life for what we love. Amen? We do what we want to do, in other words. Well, I want to tell you something, friend. If you want to have some fruit, and you don't want to be dried up at the vine or the the root system, and just be a has-been and a was-been and is going to be-been, then you need to realize that God wants you to plan around His plan. It's His life. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? And you're not your own. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, because we're bought with a price. We're not only bought with a price... We're created by the the Lord and we're not only created by the Lord but we're sustained by His care. He's got a threefold right for us to be a fruitful vine. So don't you get all upset with God when He dries up the fig tree. And don't you get upset when God takes all your gods away from you because I want to tell you something, friend, the evidence of true salvation is fruit. Turn to Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 through 20. I wish somebody had preached this message two weeks after I got saved. I didn't realize what it involved being a good Christian. Matthew chapter 7. I want you to look at verse 15. The Bible says, Beware of the prophets which come to you in sheep clothing, but then were there raven wolves. You shall know them by their what? fruit." Guess what? The world's going to know you by your fruits. Not your leaves, your fruit. Now go, let's go on. Do men gather grapes and thorns or figs or thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but every corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. The good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewed down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits, you shall know them. And when the Holy Ghost repeats something twice in five verses, you better listen. He's trying to get an emphasis to you. Folks, by their fruits, you'll know them. Let me just give you a thought. What do you think about most of the time? I believe that old tree was thinking about what beautiful leaves I have. What a great tree I am. And then God walked by And said you are intended You are expected To bring forth fruit And he cursed it He didn't cuss, he cursed it And the next day they walked by And it's dead Withered away From the root up Most trees die from the top down But God gets right to the source Then number two, I want you to see the Lord's declaration. We'll close early tonight, today. The Bible says in verse 14, And Jesus answered and said to them, No man eat fruit of their own forever, and his disciples heard it. And Folks, what I'm saying is that the Lord expects fruit. He expects fruit. And if you do not produce fruit in your life, then God has a right to judge you. And folks, He's got a right to take your little life and put it on a shelf where it is, where it profits nothing. One of the things that I fear most of all is being on the shelf. I don't want flesh to get to cost me my ministry. His ministry. I don't want anything to come in the way of me fulfilling and finishing right what God's called me to do. And what is that preacher? To be a great preacher and be written up in the daily citizen? No! Just to be a fruitful Christ-like vine, branch. I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 through 11 and I'll try to close. It's time to almost go find candy. Twelve of them has got dollar bills in them. I'm looking forward to that. Not getting them, just seeing the kids enjoy it. You say, you're bribing the kids. If you think my heart's that cold, you just go ahead and Think it. We love our kids. We like to see them have fun. To are in church. They deserve to have fun after church. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 says, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh to you as children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of Him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Look at verse 7. For ye endure chastening, God dealeth you as with sons. For what son is whom the father chasteth not? Some people don't believe in disciplining their kids. They're going to have trouble with that verse. But look at this. Look at verse 8. But if ye be without chastisement, whereof are all are you all partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. Means you're illegitimate, you're not really saved. But I read all that to go down to verse 9. It said, and and following. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. We said, Thank you, later, not at the time. Shall you and it says, Shall we not much rather be subject a subjection to the Father of the Spirits and live? And live? For they verily for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure. But he For our profit, that we might be partakers now of holiness. But Look at verse 11. Now no chastening or whipping, correction, for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous, it hurts. Nevertheless, after it yieldeth the peaceful fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised, Thereby. Wherefore lift up thy hands Which hang down And feeble knees I'll tell you what friend I thank God for the day And the days That God got my attention I have different children in my life One of them I could look at And he'd start crying The other one It took a whole lot more than looking at her. A whole lot different all kids, I'm glad I had four so I could compare them all and realize they're all different. But I want to tell you something. I believe we're close or than we've ever been before. And I don't think any of them lately has come home and said, Daddy, I wish you hadn't corrected me so much. I wish you hadn't disciplined me. I wish you hadn't have said no to all these things of the world. No, I think they appreciate it. And folks, I want to tell you something. When we yield to Him and His work, and His will, our lives are fruitful for His glory. Here it is. The Lord is looking for fruit. Can He find it in your life? I'm not talking about just soul winning. I'm talking about sold out to be like Jesus. Don't straddle the fence. Don't just be a Sunday morning attender. Don't just come to church. Be a branch. Here's the question. What will it take to make you fruitful? What will it take? I'll tell you what it ought to take. The goodness of God. The blessings of life. Folks, God has blessed you as I was visiting with Brother Gary Thursday and me and Brother George Pinion and Brother Al and Ms. Tru's up there and the whole family is up there. Ms. Rebecca and Jason. That feeding tube was down his throat but I want to tell you something. It did not stop him from praising God and complimenting his wife and then even introducing Brother George to his wife and she knew who he was. And just being the gentleman that he always has been. And I thought to myself, the probably the only problem I have is I'm about 30 pounds overweight. Have I rejoiced in the Lord today? I rode in this nice red truck. I guarantee you it was worth $45,000. Another preacher friend of mine. And I said, praise God, we run riding down here and he even had a camera. So you know, when back into a pole and it was, you know, had, I reclined the seat because he was driving. We had the stereo sound, gospel music. We really listened to rock and roll all the way down. Not really. And uh, gospel music. And, and I thought to myself, God, you have blessed. But you know, all those things that really don't count, what I was blessed at is I had the energy to walk out of that room. I had the consciousness to recognize my family when I saw them down the hall. And I had the peace in my soul that God wasn't finished with me yet and that I believed that God wasn't finished with Brother Gary Lefford yet because he was raising him up miraculously. God's been good. So if you, if you think, if it's going to take the chastening of God, He'll give it to you. Cause he's a good father thank you for that song brother and I think I'll go home but I want to tell you something before he went home he was in the slop pen eating with the, uh, the husk was empty he was starving and he said the servants have more than I do I think I will go home and thank God the sovereign God was on the porch with the light on it wasn't Motel 6 it was the grace of God amen I sure love God I sure want to love God more, and I sure don't want to dry up at the roots. And look at the demonstration. I'll close verse twenty and twenty-one. I'll just read it. In the morning, as they passed by and saw the fig tree dried up from the roots, and Peter calling to remember it, said to him, "Master, behold the fig tree which thou curses is withered." And Jesus answered and said to him, "Have faith in God." So you're all astounded by this. Fig tree being dried up. And I just raised Lazarus from the dead. You can move mountains, the Bible says in the next verse. Through prayer and faith. Have faith in God. Folks, I just want to say this. I want to say it real quick. We need to have faith in God. That He's God. And He knows what's more important in your life than God. He knows what takes your thought life. He knows what takes your energy. He knows what you plan around. He knows your priorities. He knows it. He knows your heart even though you go through these other things. He knows if your heart's there when you're not there. He knows. And folks, he goes by and if he just sees leaves, he knows that there ought to be fruit with those leaves He'll do whatever it takes to get your Holy Ghost attention. He'll do whatever it takes to get you to realize have faith in God. He's a sovereign God. He's a God that needs to be feared. I'm not talking about fear He's going to kill you any minute, but that He's God. And if it wasn't for God, you wouldn't have anything And you could not do anything to glorify God. And I believe the goal of your life ought to be when He walks by your life or you walk up to His life at the judgment seat of Christ, that He doesn't just see leaves. He sees fruit. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this difficult passage. I wish Judas Iscariot would have seen it. I wish Israel would have seen it all they had was leaves they had no fruit he preached he healed he cast out demons but all he had was leaves in reality all that Judas had was hypocrisy he didn't know the Lord oh God when the Lord sees our life may he see fruit that glorifies you Because you're our creator Lord you're our sustainer You're our savior But dear God through this passage of study I've realized you're also our judge And I'm not going to stand in your way of judging people And that's not my point And that's not my place You call me to love people but God, I pray that we'd leave here with a new awe and a new sense of your sovereignty, your blessings, but God, most indeed, your desire that we bear fruit, more fruit, and much fruit, all for your glory.